we're looking at today is how to activate kingdom power. And you know the answer to that, and I'm going to prove it to you theologically that you will believe it, you will walk in it, and you will see the manifest of it in your life because Thanksgiving activates kingdom power. And I want you to see that here this morning. I don't know if you realize it or not, but God's original intention for man was not heaven but earth. He put us here. He created us here. Remember in Adam and Eve in Genesis 1 and 28? He said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the heaven. No, fill the earth. Fill the earth and subdue it and rule over it. Now, is heaven a part of our future? It sure is. But let's not be so heavenly minded. We're no earthly good. There is work for us to do on this earth. And it's God's desire for mankind to fill the earth, to have dominion over it. Not it to have dominion over you, but for you to exercise dominion over it, to live in eternal peace with everything that is needed in order that man may have that relationship with God and share that relationship with others that they may enter in as well. I don't know if you understand this or not, but I pray today you will. God's goal is relationship. God's goal is relationship. And we as men, left to our own devices, create a religion as a substitute. Religion will never take the place of a relationship. Let me say that again. Religion will never take the place of a relationship. In the earth today, religion has become man's empty search for God. Only with relationship with God through our Savior Jesus Christ can we have eternal fulfillment. You must have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Any other religion, any other avenue will leave you empty, will leave you powerless, and will leave you utterly miserable. And the good news is Jesus is here right now. By His very Holy Spirit, He is knocking on every heart's door that has never invited Him in, and you can invite Him in even as I'm speaking right now. He is no respecter of persons. He says, anyone who will open your heart's door and receive me, I'll come in. Let me tell you what. The greatest experience of my life and the greatest decision of my life was the day I invited Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. Because everything up till then was an empty pursuit. Every bit of religion that I grew up in left me with emptiness. It was an empty pursuit. When Adam and Eve fell, they didn't lose heaven. They lost the earth, the Bible says. See, the problem wasn't in heaven. The problem was on this earth. When they listened to the devil, they lost kingdom dominion. When they listened to the devil, they were cut off in their relationship with God. Let me tell you what, the moral of the story is that when you listen to the devil, you lose your kingdom rights and you separate yourself from God. Let me tell you what, the moral of the lesson is don't listen to the devil. He's a liar. Everything he says is a lie. I I, I love Judge Judy uh, sometimes because she can tell people things that I wish I could tell people, but as a pastor I can't tell people or I'd no longer be a pastor and I'd have to go to law school and become a lawyer and then a judge one day, but I'm not going that path, so I have to just live through her sometimes. And and then there's things she says I don't agree with, and and this is one I don't agree with, but I thought it was kind of funny. She uh, uh, had a mother that was standing up for her teenage child, and the teenager had done something very foolish, and the mother was saying, my, my child wasn't even there. 
And my child said he wasn't there, he wasn't there. My child said he didn't do it, he didn't do it. And uh, all the witnesses says, yes, he was. And they even had pictures. And they're like, she's like, no, that was a picture from another year. You see his haircut, that wasn't. She's trying to defend him. And Judge Judy said, do you know how to tell when a teenager's lying? And the mother said, how? She says, when their lips are moving. <laughs> now, I don't agree with that. I got some teenagers of my own. I do not agree with that. I, but I do agree with this point. Do you want to know when the devil's lying? When his lips are moving. Everything he says is a lie. He tells you you're sick unto death. He's a liar. He tells you you're broke, busted, and disgusted and never get out of it. He's a liar. He says you're in bondage and you'll never be free. He's a liar. He says you're miserable and you'll never be happy. He's a liar. He says you're lonely and never have happiness. He's a liar. Everything he says is a lie. And he's a father of lies. So we need to know that we cannot listen to the devil. But the devil's a liar. Notice he told Eve in Genesis 3 and 5 that if she ate of the fruit, she would be like God. Now, Adam and Eve were already like God because in Genesis 1.26, God says, I've created you in my image in the likeness thereof. So the devil's lying to them and to get them to break relationship with God. But the good news is God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Hallelujah. That whosoever should call upon him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus came into this earth to reestablish the kingdom of God on earth and to reestablish a relationship between fallen man to our God. And Jesus tells us in Matthew 6 and 10 that we should pray thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's how we should pray. Because the kingdom of God has to be priority. Please hear me. The kingdom of God has to be priority in our lives. We're to seek first the kingdom and His righteousness. There are some things that we will never get rid of until we see the inheritance of the kingdom. And, and we're willing to sell out all and to make priority the kingdom of God. we got to sell out all in order to have a, the, the, the kingdom power flowing in our lives. The kingdom has to come first. The reason the rich young ruler was told to go sell all he had and give it to the poor and come follow me was because the stuff he had had him. God wasn't against stuff because he says, seek first my kingdom, my righteousness, and all the stuff will be added unto you. But the stuff can't have you because when the stuff comes between you and God, it's an idol. You've got to give God your all. The kingdom has to be first. I say, are we willing to sell all to possess the kingdom? Because there is a degree of power we will never see. And there is a degree of unity we will never experience. And there is a degree of supernatural wisdom that we will never, ever tap into. And a level of peace that's unspeakable and full of glory that we will never experience until we're ready to sell all. Seek first. Seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first. Seek first. Look at somebody. He said, I think he means first. So I think he means first. This needs to be first. We need to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. This is why Jesus talks about the kingdom over 120 times in the Gospels. And He only mentions the church three times. Wow. We've got to understand that the church is not the end. Rather, it's the means to the end. Come on now. So we're not to be bothered about trying to build the church. Oh, pastor said that. No, we're not to be about building the church. We're supposed to be focused on expanding the kingdom of God. Jesus said in Matthew 16 and 18, He said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. 
He's going to build His church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Jesus, why are we trying to build a church when Jesus said, I'll build my church? What He's commanded us to do is to expand His kingdom, the kingdom of heaven on earth. That's why he said in Matthew 24 and 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. I'm telling you, the very timeline of God is dependent upon the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom to the ends of the earth. Thank God here at Christian Embassy, we never get any feedback. We never get any negative feedback or negative kickback. Uh, Over all of these years, going on three decades, never have I ever heard of any kickback for the many thousands upon thousands upon thousands and even tens of thousands that we've been able to reach out in missions and evangelism around this globe to get the gospel message of Christ out. You always celebrate it and you always support it. I say let's give God some praise for that. Hallelujah. I believe we have it on us now as ambassadors of the kingdom to be a society of redemption where we don't just sit back and look at what's wrong. We don't just sit back criticize, but rather we enter into the brokenness that is in this world with kingdom power and kingdom rule as ambassadors of heaven, being the rule of heaven here on earth. Hallelujah. So all of the upheaval within our society and all of the the upheaval within our world is the perfect place for ambassadors of the kingdom. Now, we as ambassadors make up the church, the called out, called together to make a difference, anointed by the Spirit of God, built upon the rock of the Christos, of the anointing, the anointing that lifts burden and destroys yokes. Hallelujah. But we are to carry the message of the kingdom because the kingdom gives us power. The kingdom gives us power. Let me go on this side. The kingdom gives us power. Amen. 1 Corinthians 4 and 20, for the kingdom of God does not consist of words. It doesn't, it's not just talk. Man, there's a lot of talk going on today. There's a lot of words. You got words on Twitter. You got words on Facebook. You got words on Instagram. You got words on Snapchat. You got words, 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 emails, words. Oh, everywhere there are words. But the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. But in power. Hallelujah. Healing and miracles and raising the dead are not the kingdom of God. They are signs that the kingdom has come on the earth. Do you hear what I'm saying? So it's not the miracles. They're not the kingdom. It's just a sign that the kingdom is here. Because when the kingdom comes, everything that is in the kingdom is made available where the kingdom is. This is why Jesus said, I have to keep going back to Matthew 6 and 33. Seek first, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all this will be added unto you. They are added to you down here, not up there in heaven. We don't need deliverance in heaven. We don't need to uh, exercise dominion in heaven. He's given us that charge here on earth. So here at Christian Embassy, we're an embassy where ambassadors come and we're trained and now we understand our mission is not for the kingdom of this world, but to bring to usher in the kingdom of heaven into this world. Romans 14 and 17 tells us that the kingdom of God, it says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, 
but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. You say, well, it says spirit up there. I, I just like the old school. I like Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory. Same, same. Holy Spirit. See, the kingdom of God is not religion. Look at somebody and say, I'm glad of that. Religion let me down. It's not form. It's not works. It's not traditions of men. We, we nullify the very effect of the Christ of Christ and the kingdom with the traditions of men. For the kingdom of God is a dwelling place in the Holy Spirit where we seek the presence of God. It comes through a relationship with God where we are delivered into an, all the provision of the, uh, that the king has ushered in to us as sons and daughters of the kingdom. Man, how liberating is that? That the kingdom of God is not about what we're supposed to eat and drink. Whew, thank you, Lord. I believe in a healthy lifestyle. I believe in eating right. But Christianity must not be reduced to a set of rules and regulations. See, legalism has crippled many believers. It keeps them from the joy and the freedom found in the true gospel. Trying to attain righteousness through your right doing rather than through a relationship of He who came and set it, uh, made it possible that we could receive the gift of righteousness. It's like we're saying, Jesus, what you did ain't good enough. We got to do it our own way. And it keeps you from the joy and the freedom that's found. There are so many bound in the religion of rules, so many striving striving constantly to obtain God's approval. A sense of spiritual attainment and achievement is the goal. But Christianity is not about what we put into our lives. Let me say that again. Christianity is not about what we put into our lives. The, the Apostle Paul says the kingdom of God is not about food and drink, what we put into our lives, but it's about what God has already put into our lives. It's not about rules and regulations. It's not about do this and don't do that. We reduce it to that. It's just legalism, and it brings us back under the old covenant, but we've been told we've got a better covenant initiated by a better high priest, sealed by better blood, with a better sacrifice, with better promises that was all done by Jesus. Why do we want to throw that away and say we've got to go back and do what they did for thousands of years and failed 100% of the time? Why? But in the new covenant, we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We're filled with the love of God. We are filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit of God. The things that God puts in us the moment we're born again is part of the atonement package, if I could say it that way. That when we're born again, at that very moment, the Christian life is not of attainment, uh, acquisition, and pursuit. Uh, it's not, you know, i got to get this, and i got to get that, and i got to pursue that. Rather, the Christian life is a life of acknowledgement of what is already yours in Christ. Do you hear me? This will change your life if you'll see this, that as a Christian born again, now it's not a life of attainment and acquisition and pursuit. Rather, it is a life of acknowledgement of what is already mine in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Which makes your relationship with Christ Jesus supreme. Number one, you're going to worship Him only. 
Romans 14 and 17 says, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, right? So where is the kingdom of God? Ha, come on, preach it now. Do we have to wait till we die to go to heaven to have peace, joy, and righteousness? The answer is no. Luke 17 and 21, the kingdom of God is within you. Come on, I like that. Don't bruise yourself, but I like to hit myself, wake myself up and say, you know what? Kingdom, you're in here. Kingdom of God, you're in here. Kingdom of God, come on, do it. Make a little practice here. Kingdom, if you need to kind of do it to wake yourself up, punch it a little harder. Punch the person next to you. Kingdom of God is in here. It's within you. Righteousness, peace, shalom, nothing broken, nothing missing, joy. The Holy Ghost is in you right now. Not next week, right now. Hallelujah. So, let's get to where the rubber meets the road. How do we get these forces that are in us working through us in a practical way. Have you ever prayed and tried to use your faith and it didn't seem to be working? Two people? Wow. Hey, man, we got some mighty, mighty powerful people in here. (laughs) Only two of you have ever prayed and it didn't work just like that immediately and you got a little discouraged, okay? Wow. Man, you you guys are awesome. (laughs) You know I'm saying this with tongue in cheek and laughing in the inside because I know you and I know me. Amen? We need our faith to work. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. One translation you can see that is without faith, it's impossible for you to enter into the pleasure of God. What is the pleasure of God? For the kingdom, his kingdom to be manifesting in and through us here on this earth. He created Adam and Eve. He said, I want you to take dominion. I want you to rule over. I I don't want the earth ruling over you. I don't want the stuff in the earth ruling over you. I don't want the, the all creation ruling over you. I want you to rule over it. You are my ambassadors. You are to take dominion. And our faith, Faith, working through faith, makes us operate in the pleasure of God. Now get this. The key to making your faith effective. Mm, This is good. Man, I wish I heard this when I was young. I'm still young. Let me say, let me change that. When I was younger. The key to making your faith effective, which means operative, active, and powerful is found right there in Philemon 1 and 6. That your faith may become effectual. It may become effective. It may become active. How? By acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Man, that is absolutely amazing. The Christian life that I lived so many years was in pursuit and acquisition and going after and going after. Man, if I work hard enough, if I pray hard enough, if I study hard enough, if I memorize hard enough, if I do good hard enough, if I, if I forgive hard enough, if I, if I let that go hard enough, if I'm like a duck with water coming off my back and this person said that and I just let it go hard enough, hard enough, hard enough, I'll finally, I'll finally tap in. No! How do I get my faith active Effective operating is by acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Notice what he doesn't say here. He doesn't say your faith becomes effective when you obtain every good thing, when you acquire every good thing, when you pursue every good thing. Your faith produces results. How? By the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. I, I, I grew up out in Earl's little farm, South Carolina. We had acres and acres. I always wanted, because we had to ride a bicycle. 
I'm telling you, acres. Run, feed the animals here and here. Ride bicycles. I wanted a motorcycle. Oh, a dirt bike. That's what I wanted. But my dad had had a motorcycle years before, I think maybe even before I was born, had an accident, and it was very life-threatening, and my mom was against motorcycles. My dad was against motorcycles. So we, were never, we had the bicycle, and oh my goodness, did we put some miles on those bicycles. I pretended it was a motorcycle, but it was never a motorcycle. I wanted to attach an engine to it and make it a motorcycle, but I wasn't allowed to do that. But my cousin, who lived down the road, and where I grew up, down the road means a long ways off, had got a dirt bike one Christmas. Oh, Tony was the envy of all of us. And I remember when the news got out that Tony had a motorcycle, my mom reinforced to my brother and myself, you are not to ride motorcycles. So I remember <laughs> one day I was out in a place where my mom never was and uh, I, my cousin's motorcycle was there and he had to go in, but he said, hey, if you want to ride it, ride it. And I straddled that thing and I looked at the little switch to turn it on and figured out everything I'm supposed to do and I flipped out the little kickstart. And I get ready to kick it. Now, growing up where I did, everybody had a nickname. I had a nickname. Nobody called me Tim, and I won't tell you what they did call me. <laughs> but as I'm getting ready to kickstart, make effective the power of this motorcycle, I hear my nickname. I'll just say Tim. It wasn't Tim, but it, I hear it. And if I'm not careful, I'll say it. Tim! And it was my mom's voice. And I flipped the kicks pet start back and I just started pushing it. And my mom said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm not riding it, mom. I'm just seeing what it will do, you know. And she wasn't a fool. She knew. She said, get off of that thing. So there I was and I learned as powerful as that bike looked when Tony was riding it, when the engine was engaged, it was, it was a burden. My bicycle did better than it did when you're trying to push it. Boom, 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 boom. And I come up on a little hill. Boom, boom. Oh, my goodness. You want to roll back? Oh, my goodness. I need, I need some power. Right? Well, he says here what kickstarts your faith to get the engine of the supernatural engine of heaven working in and through your life so that you don't have to, to boom, 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 try to push your way through life like religion tells you, but you can just sit back and zoom, zoom, and spin a, wheel, spin a wheel. You pop a wheel even, you got so much power. That's how your faith is. And how do you get it operating? How do you kickstart it? By acknowledging every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Which means you don't need to try and obtain wealth and obtain prosperity, you have prosperity in you. You don't need to try to obtain healing, you have healing in you. You don't have to try to obtain joy and peace and the Holy Ghost, you have them in you. All you've got to do is acknowledge it. Recognize that it's already in you, proclaim it out of your mouth, and give God thanks for it, and you will find the supernatural engine of your faith will come alive and cause you to start popping wheelies into the provision of what God has for you. This is where the vast majority of most people have misunderstood Christianity. 
This is where we got it wrong. We've spent so much time acknowledging, uh, we spent so much time trying to pursue every good thing rather than acknowledging every good thing that is already in us. Come on now. Didn't Jesus say his yoke is easy? That motorcycle, that, that was hard. Man, I'm better off walking than trying to push it because it wasn't created to be ridden that way. The yoke Jesus has for you wasn't created for us to live life the way we've been living it. His yoke is easy. He's provided faith. He's provided power. He's provided anointing so that every good thing in us that He's already accomplished for us can be manifest through us. The kingdom of God is in you. The kingdom of God is in you. I say it again, the kingdom of God is in you. Righteousness is in you. Acknowledge it and give thanks. Joy is in you. Acknowledge it and give thanks. Peace is already in you. Acknowledge it and give thanks. Love is already in you. Acknowledge it and give thanks. Godly wisdom is already in you. Acknowledge it and give it thanks. The healing power is already in you. Acknowledge it and give thanks. Deliverance is already in you. Acknowledge it and give it thanks. Hallelujah. Prosperity of God is already in you. Acknowledge it and give thanks. All of these things and so much more are already in you in Christ. Hallelujah. For each and every one. We've got to learn to appropriate. Take hold of. We appropriate through the, what's provided through the atonement. We appropriate by faith. We take hold of it by faith. How do we kickstart our faith? We acknowledge every good thing that is already in us. The Holy Spirit possesses all prosperity you'll ever need, all the wisdom you'll ever need, all the healing you'll ever need, all the power you'll ever need, all the anointing you will ever need. And if you will acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus, by His Spirit, it is going to manifest through your life. But when we try to obtain these things other ways, and we ignore acknowledgement and thanksgiving, your faith becomes ineffective. You're on the motorbike pushing with your toes, bloom, bloom, but you're miserable. You're like, ah, look at my religion. Look how awesome it is. And the world says, if that's, if that's Christianity or if that's serving God, man, I'm better off over here on my bicycle. My scooter, I can do better on my scooter than you do on your religious bike. I don't know part of it. But you start popping wheelies like Tony did. My cousin, you drool. You riding your bike and he goes, zoom, and he's smiling in the wind and you're pan on your bicycle. And that's the world. They're on their bicycle and you go, zoom. They're like, oh my goodness, I want the power, the joy, the peace, the love, the deliverance, the anointing that that person's living with. Hallelujah. We've got to get this. We've got to realize that our faith becomes effective. We get results when we acknowledge and give thanks to what Christ has provided for us. Amen. I have to go back to Philemon there, uh, verse 6 again. Your faith becomes effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ. I'm not making this up, church. I'm giving it straight out of the Word of God. I'm not making this up. Thanksgiving is a, one of the most important ways to do this. To give thanks means you acknowledge what you already have. 
You take inventory and recognize what has already been promised to you. You know, the psalmist David, he's writing in Psalms 100 and verse 4 and 5, he says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. The acknowledgement of every good thing. You're acknowledging it. You're giving thanks and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him, the Bible says, and bless his name for the Lord is good. Look at somebody and say, did he say the Lord is good? The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. See, kingdoms are ruled by kings who dwell in palaces which are secured by courts by gates. Their courts are secured by gates. And the first way we enter, the first way we enter into the king's court is through thanksgiving, acknowledging every good thing. See, thanksgiving activates the kingdom power of God. If you want kingdom power working, it's already in you, but you want it flowing through you, the kickstart, thanksgiving. That's my faith, giving thanks, giving thanks to what I know the word is promised is, my, is in me. Hallelujah. So do you get this? There's power in thanksgiving. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. There's power in thanksgiving. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. It's time for your tongue to be the kickstart and give thanks to every good thing that is already in you so that it will activate the power. Because power is, uh, the, the thanksgiving gives us, provokes the power of God in our lives. And that means the opposite, murmuring blocks what God wants done in your life. Complaining blocks. I read a lot of people's, I get to see inside people's minds more. People say, oh, I wish I could read. I heard one of our kids one time say, I wish I could read minds. Oh, read, read Facebook. And, and I'm thinking, if that's, if that's guarded, I'm seeing more of your mind there because you're thinking for some reason or another, I don't know what you're thinking, or reading Twitter, you're like, what, what were you thinking? If that's what goes on in your ears, I'm afraid to be in the, out in public with you, you know? <laughs> Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Yeah. Thanksgiving provokes the power for increase. Abraham gave glory to God and thanksgiving before his miracle was ever manifest. And that, God said, was counted unto him as righteousness. And that's why he got to see the miracle manifest of the promise of God in his life. So to be thankful is to be fruitful. To be thankless is to be fruitless. Amen. Come on now. Another thing I see is Thanksgiving provokes the power for multiplication. Jesus, in Mark 8 and 6, he took a little boy's long john snack pack. I think there's fish in all that breading. There probably was, or a flavor of fish in that breading, but the breading's good. <laughs> Not healthy, but it's good. But let me stop digressing. And he took those hush puppies, and he did what? Gave thanks. That's what the Bible says. He gave thanks. There's 5,000 hungry men plus their wives and their children, 15,000, 20,000 plus people. And he's got one little boy's lunch. And what does he do? The Bible points it out, how the kingdom operates. He gives thanks for the multiplication that was within there, the miracle that was in there. He gave thanks and he said, now pass it out. And everybody got their fill and 12 basket full over that was left over were gathered and able to be a testimony going home. Thanksgiving provokes the power of multiplication. Yeah. 
Now, Jesus said, I come to show you how the kingdom works. He preached on the kingdom 120 plus times. 120 plus times in the four gospels, he talks about the kingdom. I think Jesus was obsessed with the kingdom. I think that was his goal, to teach us about the kingdom and how the kingdom works. And he's showing us how the kingdom works. That this Thanksgiving, acknowledging every good thing that was is within, within it, right there, within this is multiplication. Whatever's in your hand, there's a miracle of multiplication in it. You just got to learn to take whatever small it is, instead of complaining over it and cursing it, you need to bless it and you need to give thanks for it. And you can see the miracle manifestation of that take place of multiplication. Third thing, Thanksgiving waters your seeds and provokes the power of growth, of growth. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3 and 6, he says, I planted Apollos' water, but God gives the increase. So giving and serving and working and thinking and trusting and waiting, they're all forms of planting seeds and watering them. But God's going to get involved. He's going to bring the increase. So whatever you do at work, whatever you do in the community, whatever you do in your family, whatever you do in your church, do it as unto the Lord. With thanksgiving in your heart, thanking God, not trying to get points with God, but this is what you're created to do is to serve and to love and to expand His kingdom. And then you will see God will come in and kiss it with a miracle of growth. Hallelujah. He'll give the increase. Thanksgiving also provokes the power of what I call sozo. Why do I call it sozo? Because I'm going into the Greek with you this morning. Okay. Luke 17 and 11 following, I'm going to close in the next 10 minutes. I'm going to try to close in 10 minutes here, 9 to 10 minutes with this story. These 10 lepers are cleansed. You've heard it before. It's the most powerful. It's the most awesome story. One of the most awesome stories in all the Bible. It says, now it happened that Jesus went to Jerusalem and Jesus passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And there Jesus entered a certain village there and, and met him 10 men who were lepers. And they stood afar off and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, now go show yourselves to the priest. If I can get this truth into your soul this morning, I believe it will release God's best in your life this Thanksgiving, this Christmas, the remainder of this year and even next year and the rest of your life. He's telling about these 10 lepers. Now, leprosy was a death sentence. It was, a, it was an inflammation that would begin in the joints and it would have gr- come with it great pain. The joints would become inflamed and then they would burst up, that infection would burst up through the skin, turning into sores. And it, would, it, it wouldn't be isolated, but it, was, it would spread it, throughout the body and it was also contagious and would spread to others. And it would cause this horrible disfigurement in the human being. And it made people physically indescribable. Their hair would fall out. Their eyebrows would fall out. They would lose all sensation of their limbs, of their body. They could, they could have an accident and cut their hand off and not even feel it. And, and eventually they would become so numb that there would be a loss of consciousness in, in every area of their organs in their body till the point, point eventually they would go into a coma and they would die. Now, throughout the Bible, God used leprosy as a picture of sin. And in the same way, sin causes inflammation first in our inner being. 
great pain and aches and violating the very order of how things are supposed to be is allowed in us and it causes so much inflammation, causes so much pain and then it, it's got to surface itself so it breaks out like sores in our life like through anger and pride and lust as it's just pussing out and, 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 and spewing forth and then sin spreads and, and it causes a loss of our beauty and our original creative order and spreading not only to us but those that are close to us and causes a loss of sensation to where we don't even feel any passion of God anymore. Wow. Leprosy was a horrible life. They could not contact other people once the priest had said they were unclean. And they had to actually yell, Unclean! Unclean when folks were coming because they had to stay back at least 50 yards from any other uh, person that didn't have leprosy. That's half of a football field. They had to stay away from people. Can you imagine the psychological effect? Can you imagine the moral stigma? People would look at you with disdain because you're scarred and, and, and sickly and, and, and scary and they don't want you to put on them what's on you. And this is, they see you that way from the inside out. They would take your home away and they would break it apart brick by brick and burn it with fire as to burn off the disease wherever it was, wherever it was hiding. They treated it worse than bed bugs. It was like, burn it all down. They would take, your test, they would take all of your possessions and they would burn them with fire. You lost everything. You lost your health. You lost your wealth. You lost your relationships. You couldn't be with your family, with your spouse, with your friends, with your co-workers. You lost your reputation. You lost your purpose. You lost your destiny. You had to go into the leper colony outside the city gate and you could not be a part of who you were created to be. They, they could not hold their family members close ever again. They could not touch their spouse ever again. They couldn't touch their children ever again. Never to be touched or hugged by another healthy human until you die. Man, that was the plight of a leper. But in one day, in one moment, with the power of God from heaven flowing on earth in and through Christ Jesus, the nightmare, just as it began, is now over. One day, you meet a man named Jesus and he tells you, go and show yourselves to the priest. The very ones who labeled you, now let the witness of the kingdom of God show the power of the kingdom. And this is going to be a reversal of the curse. This is going to be a turnaround. What the enemy meant for evil is now going to be turned for good. Go and show the very ones who labeled you. And here they lost everything. Their loved ones, they've lost it. They've been waiting to die. But their death sentence is interrupted with an encounter with Jesus. <clears throat> I prophesy to somebody under the sound of my voice right now. Your death sentence is being interrupted with your encounter with Jesus today. I say it to you again. Your death sentence, the plan that the enemy had for you is being interrupted right now by your encounter with Jesus today in Jesus name now Jesus turns to them and he tells them to change their ways and to change their walk and no longer walk as a leper no longer talk as a leper 
Stop running from people and start running to them. Stop crying unclean and declare now that you are clean. Stop dying and start living. And He's saying to us today that we're to live the kingdom life. That we're to usher in the kingdom principles by doing that. We're not to run from people. We're to run to people. We're stop crying unclean. I don't have the answers. I don't have what it takes. And saying Christ has made me clean. Christ has provided everything. And the world needs Jesus representatives standing up today. So he sends them to the very ones who spoke the death sentence over them that they might shine the light of God's healing power because the Bible says, as they went, they were cleansed. That's what the Bible said. Now look at verse 14. They were cleansed. Cardizzo, okay, they were cleansed. But look at verse 15. But one of the nine, when he saw that he was healed, say healed. I-O-A-M-I. as it's rendered here in this verb tense. i o a me. He was healed. That, see, God uses Greek for a specific purpose for the New Testament, New Covenant, better covenant for us because Greek language is so precise, so pristine, so use of, usage of a word that actually draws the picture of that actual heartbeat of that word rather than generics. Like in English, we say, I love my dog, I love my car, I love a good hamburger, I love... The feeling when I lose weight, I love going to church, I love the football game, I love that the Dallas is going to beat the Patriots, I love uh, my wife, I, they're shaking their head. Hey, I, I'm bringing in kingdom. We may need kingdom power to do it, but nonetheless. So we use love, 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 but Greek, you got five different words for love. One is for the love you have with your spouse. One is for the love you have with your family. One is the love you have for general, for things. There's one that's that agape love. It is the, the love without strings attached, the love of God, the heartbeat of God. So in the Greek, God used the Greek language to give us the New Testament because he's trying to make the message clear. And he says, nine saw, they, but one of the nine, when he saw he was, when he was healed, that means cured. In other words, the pus must have dried up and the rashes and all the stuff started drying up. The broken limbs, I don't know how many fingers they had lost. If even he had any fingers, maybe they had already lost their hand. Some of them maybe up to their elbow, the amputations and so forth. But the, the drippings and everything was drying up. He was healed. He was cured. So this one returned to Jesus with a loud voice. Now that word, that phrase loud voice comes from a Greek two words, megaphone. Okay, guess where we get our word megaphone from? So he didn't come in and saying, you know, just talking. He had a loud voice. And he's glorifying God. Doxazo is the Greek word. means he's rendering to be glorious and magnificent. He is saying, God, what you've done, this is amazing. You are powerful. You are glorious. And the Bible says he fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, which is an act of worship and total surrender to his lordship. Paul said in order for us to be saved, guess what that word saved is in the Greek? Sozo which means to be healed, made whole, made complete, restored to everything in full. Okay, nothing missing. It'd be a Greek, uh, Hebrew comparison to shalom. Nothing broken, nothing missing. Amen. Amen? Amen? But he had to bow at his feet. Total surrender is lordship. Paul said in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you will confess Jesus Christ as Lord, mean you surrender to his lordship. And a lordship, the whole principle of lordship is either he's lord over all, or he's not Lord at all. So you can't give him half. Jesus said that lukewarm stuff, spew out of my mouth. 
hot or cold, lordship or not, confess his lordship, you surrender everything to him, he says, and, and believe God's raised him from the dead, you shall be sozoed. Sozoed. Same word, blind Bartimaeus, when he says, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, Go, your faith has made you whole. That, if you'll go into Greek, that's sozo. Your faith has made you whole, sozo, everything restored. Same with the woman with the issue of blood. He said, Go, your faith has made you well. So that word well, if you look at it in the original language of how the Bible is written, it's sozo. Okay? Now here, why am I saying all of that? Because he fell on his feet and he's glorifying Jesus and he's surrendering and he gave thanks. Do you see that? Giving him thanks. That is, Eucharistio is the Greek word. And the reason that's important because it doesn't not just give him thanks. Thanks, dude. Fist bump. Cool. No. That word, Eucharistio, means repeatedly expressing gratitude. So he's like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're amazing. You're glorious. You're Son of God. You're King of Kings. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's what it's communicating. Somebody needs to wake up that dead religion that you've been living to, kick it out, and say this is about a relationship with a king of the kingdom, and I'm going to give him thanks, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, hallelujah. And then it goes on to say, and he, giving thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus says, here you are outside of the covenant. You're not even the people of the covenant, but because of what you're doing, it overrides the limitations of the old covenant, and you've already tapping into this new covenant that I'm heading to Calvary to seal with my blood, but even though it's not even sealed yet, you've already tapping into this kingdom power right now. So he recognizes that. And then he says, were there not nine others? And Jesus recognizes when we're not grateful. He recognizes when we are grateful, but he also recognizes when we're not grateful. Right? If we're not careful, we church folks can be the very first ones to live lives of ingratitude towards God. A sense of entitlement. Isn't that one of the ugliest senses of all? You ever met somebody with a sense of entitlement? Oh, you know, if we're not careful, we as Christians can be some of the deadest, coldest, and most faithless folks on earth. Not here, because you got a coach that say, ah, you're slowing down. No, 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 pick those knees up. Pick those knees up. Get your form back. we got to run this race, and we got to run it as to win. Hallelujah. So God has to, the Scripture says He looks for the prostitutes and the liars and the alcoholics and the drug addicts and the thieves and the adulterers so that when they come into His house, they, that He can have some praise. Remember the banquet, the parable Jesus told about the banquet? Uh-huh. So here's one outside the covenant, but he gets it. And Jesus told him in verse 19, Jesus told him that his faith made him well. And that word is sozo. Saved, delivered, prospered, protected, made whole, full restoration, complete. Everything that was lost is restored. Now, did you get this? Nine out of ten got a healing from God. They were cured, right? A-O-A-M-E. They were cured. Their skin disease dried up. That debilitating infirmity was no longer spreading so that they could go show themselves to the priest. But the one out of the ten who took time to come back and give thanks was not only cured, but he was sozoed. 
Everything lost was restored. I don't know if you get this. Not only was his disease healed or cured, the body parts that were destroyed was restored unto him. The organs that were destroyed were restored unto him. Destroyed. The family members that were destroyed was restored unto him. The possessions that he lost was restored unto him. The finances that he lost was restored unto him. The positions that he lost was restored unto him. The reputation that he lost was restored unto him. He was made whole. Do you see what I'm saying? saying it was thanksgiving that made the difference it took him from being cured to being made whole because he took the time to activate the power of the kingdom in and through thanksgiving hallelujah 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 would you stand on your feet let's stand together thanksgiving provokes the power for increase Right now, do you hear me? Thanksgiving provokes a power for increase. Thanksgiving provokes a power for multiplication. Thanksgiving provokes the power for growth. For, for, I'm telling you, Thanksgiving provokes a power of sozo, shalom, nothing broken, nothing missing. It's time that we enter His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. The kingdom of heaven is within us. Kingdom power is within us. Kingdom restoration within us. Kingdom, the kingdom of God brings sozo. The king of the kingdom brings sozo. Nothing broken, nothing missing, everything restored. There's family members that have been taken from you because of sin, but God said, I'll restore it. There's things that have been taken from you and you think you'll never be able to achieve that again. God said that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. It can be restored unto you. You say, but these are my latter days. He said, your latter days will be greater than your former days because of the power of the kingdom, the power of increase, the power of multiplication, the power of growth and souls. That is your thanksgiving activates the kingdom power of God. Hallelujah. He fell on his face and he gave thanks. He fell on his face and he gave thanks. Eucharistio. He gave thanks repeatedly. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, I thank you. Oh, somebody better wake up your, your, your anointing. You better wake up that power of the kingdom. You need to wake it up by being thankful. There's things you've not thanked God for in a long time or you did it in passing. Well, God, you did it a long time ago. I know at 17, I was on my very seconds to death, but the hand of God came into my life and rescued me and all all of these years later, I'm still saying thank you, thank you, thank you. I split hell wide open on that Saturday night, but I came to encounter the King of the Kingdom on that Saturday night, and I know His mighty right hand is strong and powerful to save. And every one of you got your own story where God has, where the devil has taken you out, where the devil has tried to destroy, but it had it not been for the Lord, had it not been for his goodness and his mercy had it not been for his intervention you wouldn't be here today it's time we fall on our face thank you 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 oh jesus i thank you come on somebody break forth in some praise in this house somebody break forth in some thanksgiving in this house this altar is open if you want to come to this altar and come and make him king of kings and lord of lords or you want to come and offer some thanksgiving or you want to come and activate the kingdom power of god you just come on down and say i ain't going home in the same way i came in i'm not leaving here the same way i'm tapping in to all god's got for me if that if that leper could fall on his knees 
and get before the Lord and say, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. You can fall on your knees before God today and say, Lord, I thank you. Oh, you're so good, God. You're so wonderful. You are so amazing. Your forgiveness reaches every, every state. Hallelujah. Oh, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I praise you. I praise you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I give you glory and honor. Hallelujah. Oh, we praise you in this house, Lord. We praise you in this house, Lord. Oh, we praise you in this house, Lord. Oh, we're tapping into. We're activating. We're activating the kingdom power right now with thanksgiving before you, Lord. We're activating the kingdom power in our family. Kingdom power of healing in our body. Kingdom power of provision in our lives. Kingdom power of restoration in relationships. Kingdom power. We're activating it, kick-starting it right now by the acknowledgement of every good thing. By the acknowledgement of every good thing in you, Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we love you here this morning, Lord. And as we come into this Thanksgiving week, it will not be on our calendar just as a day or a week, but a reminder of this is our lifestyle, a heart of thanksgiving. How do we make it effective? How do we make our faith effective? By the constant acknowledging of every good work that you provided in us in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that healing in my body yet to be manifest. Thank you, God, for that supernatural provision that's already in me that's yet to be manifest. Thank you for that full deliverance that I need that is yet to be manifest. Thank you for that miracle of restoration in that relationship that's in me that is yet to be manifest. I acknowledge it. It's in me. And by me in acknowledging it, it makes it effective. Kingdom power is released to make it a reality. Hallelujah. Thank you. Lord, I thank you. Now we see why you were so turned off to murmuring and complaining. The very opposite of thanksgiving. Not because it hurt your feelings, but because it's the very opposite of how we activate your kingdom here on earth. It is the very opposite of how we tap into your power and become the ambassadors for kingdom provision and kingdom anointing to flow from heaven to earth. Lord, we do pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven in each and every life here today, present and those that are tuned in. We pray, Lord God, that as they take this truth, and as we take and we act on this truth, Lord God, that we would be good stewards of the kingdom power that flows through us, making sure we ascribe the glory and the honor and the praise to you. Jesus, thank you for allowing us to come 
back into relationship with you, back into relationship with the Father, back into relationship with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for being our bridge. Jesus, you made a way where there seemed to be no way. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you that we called on your name. We surrendered to your Lordship. We declare that you have been risen from the dead. And we are so zealous. And for everyone here and everyone tuning in that will call upon your name, Jesus, Jesus, come be my Lord and my Savior, that they too can enter into, be brought out of the life of leprosy, the life of sin that separates us and brought back into the family of God and be sozoed, saved in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray your protection. Holy Spirit, I pray you would seal these truths upon our hearts and our minds. And I pray that you would guide us and direct us as we go into this day, this week, the remainder of this month and the remainder of this year, ascribing glory and honor to you every step of the way. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen.